Okay, welcome back to another episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. My name's Sina and I love following the journeys of other young entrepreneurs. And in this episode, it's a very special one, I spoke with Rohan, the founder of a really cool clothing company, Dolly Mix Studios. If you want to run a clothing brand and harness the power of influencer marketing, this is the podcast for you. In the conversation, we we talked about how Dolly Mix grew massively using influencer marketing without spending anything. Also, he outlines his strategy for approaching influencers and how he gets the most sales out of it. He has had absolutely huge names wearing his stuff, so be sure to listen to the very end for that. Also, how he came up with the idea of Dolly Mix itself and sourced his clothing line with suppliers and how he tells his customers items are sold out to drive demand and how you can use that strategy also. It's such a cool episode and if any of you guys are thinking about clothing, brands and, and all of that stuff, be sure to listen to this one because it's so, so useful. So this brings me to this part of the episode where I give a shout out to someone. So this is a shout out to someone who's left a written review on Apple Podcast, and it's just a way of saying, you know, thank you for, for coming on the journey and to leave, leaving a good review. So this week's uh, shout out goes to Baldeep who says, interesting and informative. That's the best way to put it for me. Great guests, all great stories to learn from, and of course, a swell host, well worth a, le- a listen. Thank you so much, Baldeep, for that comment. It's so nice of you to, to, to put to say that, and also really nice to hear that you're enjoying the episodes. If you want to feature in the next episode of The Melody Entrepreneur for more of a shout out, please leave a written review with your name, of course, otherwise I won't know who it is, on Apple Podcasts, and I'll give a shout out in the next episode for sure. So without further ado, let's get on with the episode. All right, we're live. How are you doing, Rohan? I'm very good, thank you, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, really good, thanks. This is my first, I was telling you before we start recording, this is my first time actually recording millennial entrepreneur podcast this year like the one that released i guess once people listen to this before was recorded like in 2020 so it feels so sick to be back in front of the microphone yeah man i'm really looking forward to it i mean it's a nice little start to the new year isn't it yeah i know i know we've been wanting to record an episode together for a long time so it's finally you know really good to to have you on uh really keen to like talk about dolly mix and also like off license clobber that's one that I actually personally love myself. So, oh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Should we just jump straight into it? Yeah, yeah, let's, let's jump in. All right. So I guess for people who don't know, like, what Dolly Mix is, um, or, like, who you are, actually, I think that's the best place to start. I'm a bit rusty as an interviewer, by the way, so give, cut me a bit of slack. <laughs> um, why don't you just start with you? Like, where, where did you start on this, like, journey of starting Dolly Mix? Um, well, it probably started with my sort of music background. Um, we started a band in about sort of 2016, 17, um, I'm the drummer. Um, it's called Dolly and the Dinosaur. Um, and then I wanted to make a, a brand for that that band um, and eventually came up with the name Dolly the Studios. Um, and then, yes, I um, took inspiration from a previous brand we had called um, Abstract, which was even before that in 2015. Um, took the lessons from that um, and yeah implemented them into, into Dolly Mix really. So it started out as it started out as you just like you you were part of this band you wanted to make I guess I guess merchandise f- for the band and then like yeah was was a step from there? I mean yeah so we did have merchandise I, I see it as like sort of synonymous to um, Tyler the creator and Golf Wang he's kind of got like a sort of side brand that's what I was thinking at the time anyway 
Um, but yeah, I, I guess the, the brand kind of ended up taking its own route as opposed to being kind of associated with the band, which was different to how I planned originally. But I guess, so you're in this band and you wanted to start like a new clothing line, I guess, similar yeah. to like Tyler Crea. And yeah, like what was your vision for it? Like, I guess you wanted it to be like linked to the bands in some you know way. Yeah. But what was the sort of first step with like what you wanted to do with it? I'd say a lot of it was, as I said, from that previous brand we had called Abstract. I, I would, I'd say that brand wasn't that personal. Um, and I learned that for a brand to be quite successful, you need to like be able to have like a decent story behind it or at least it'd be sort of quite personal to you. Um, so yeah, I just made it a lot more sort of colourful and um, also like took themes of like irony, um, which is something I, I, I really like. Um, sort of, I mean, you've got the, the band name was, um, was actually formed from Peppa Pig. Um, I, mem I remember we, um, we wanted something that had dinosaur in it because um, we had a logo idea. Um, and then I was brainstorming with my family um, and then there's a part in Peppa Pig where it, where it says, let's play Donnie's and Dinosaurs. Uh, and my, so my sister came up with that. Yeah, so, so, I, so I took sort of the themes of irony and, and sort of childish nature um, into Dolly Mix, which I think just sort of makes it a little bit more authentic. Yeah, yeah, you definitely built a story around it. Like, what was the sort of like, I guess, brand image and what was the sort of like vision you had for the sort of, I guess, story you wanted to build and like brand image that you wanted to build around this? Yeah, there was. I mean, there was another one, um, another design with it, which was um, I don't know if you saw it. it was it was like a Haribo packet, and it said it said to Dolly the Studios on. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it. I think it's quite nice to sort of tap into that kind of. Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure. Not really sure what else to say on that bit. Okay, so so like, what were the what were the steps that you took to actually start this? So, I guess like before we've had someone on the podcast where they started a clothing brand, and the way that they started out was just like through you know creating prints yep. on Vista Print and then just like making them, wearing around them, around, wearing around like the, on the on the uni campus, people people loving it, and like from there, like he got loads of people wanting to buy it. Uh, eventually like went from Vista Print to actually creating his own his own stuff like but I guess like for you like what was the sort of first few steps to actually starting it like in a practical terms okay yeah so I mean in the, the first brand that we had a while ago um, that was done through printing on something called blanks which are like pre-made t-shirts um, and you just get a printing company in the UK to put stuff on it um, the I the the, um, the piece that I really wanted to have made was um, the all over print joggers and hoodies um, that have the dollies on um, and the reason being was because um, at the time there was a thing called Supreme, you know, you know Supreme? Yeah, they, they had like a collab with, with Playboy um, so there were these kind of like trackies with these sort of bunnies on they were like sort of 300 quid definitely couldn't afford them um, so I wanted to get these made um, and you can't get that done on blanks like we did in the first place in the UK because the print's done all over the, 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 um, the garment so I had to um, had to look into something called cut and sew. So I, I looked on um, looked on Alibaba for um, suppliers across the world who would who would do this for me. Um, and it kind of involves taking just a blank piece of cotton, um, printing on the the dollies, and then cutting them and sort of sewing them up into sweatpants. So I eventually found a supplier for that, 
and took quite a while um, because when you look into cut and sew, the minimums are so high. Um, but I managed to find one had decent minimums. Um, and then yeah, I got a got a sample made um, and sent over. Wait, wait, before you before you go on minimums, like you mean minimum order quantity, just in case, just in case people don't know. Yeah, yeah, so, and yeah, minimums being the minimum amount of of um, garments that you have to order at a given time. I mean, generally they can be up to like you know five hundred per just color. Um, so I, I think at the time I got maybe like fifty made, which I was really lucky for. Um, yeah, normally like it's a thousand or something. Yeah. Like that. Um, so yeah, I mean it took it took quite a lot of research, but yeah. So then I got a sample made, um, sent over to the UK, showed all my friends, <laughs> like they, they thought it was quite cool. Um, I was really happy with it, uh, and then yeah, got um, got a big order made, more big ish order. Um, got some photos of them, shot a little promo video, and and then yeah, just released them. Wait, so so when you when you first like, I guess you made uh, how many you said you said you said fifty, right? So you had the fifty. It was about fifty, I think. Yeah. yeah. Fifty to hundred. So you had so you had like that that small quantity, and I guess you just showed your friends. I guess was that was that like enough validation for you to be like, okay, now I'm gonna get a really big order and see what happens with this, or like, did you you must have taken a few steps in between, or did you just like literally like risk it and go into it? So yes, yeah, so, so we had these about sort of hundred pieces, and then yeah, that's where it kind of came into like how are we gonna get this to people. Uh, so I experimented with stuff like Facebook ads. It didn't really work that well. Um, and then we kind of, and then we heard about influencer marketing. So I've, I found this influencer, um, she's she called um, Alex Beckman actually. Um, I don't know why it was her, um, but yeah, we found this influencer and we sent her an email um, saying, I'd like to send you um, some sweatpants in return for like an Instagram post. Um, and I remember opening the reply with my friends at school. We're like, oh, maybe she's my friend. Um, she had like 40K followers at the time, which we were like, oh my God. Um, and she was like, um, yeah, I, I charge however much for a post. And we're like, oh, we can't afford that. So we just- How, mu- how, much, how much was it? You have, to, you have to reveal now that you said I, it. I think, I think it was only like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't actually think it was even that much. It was probably like, we made like 50 pounds. But at the time that was like, that was that was quite a lot. I don't feel like that's too bad. I feel like now they're charging more than that. To be fair, in hindsight, that isn't actually too much yeah. at all. Um, but but we were thinking like, didn't really want to spend money on like marketing at the time. We just wanted to sell clothes. Um, but yeah, you're right. But uh, yeah, no, so we just replied and just like we said, oh, no worry, you didn't really have a budget. Um, but then she then she replied saying, oh, actually, I'll have them anyway, um, and she ended up posting. And then that's that's the kind of um, then kind of got that sort of snowball effect after she posted. Okay, so that was that was with the with the sweatpants, like the original. That was the only piece of clothing that you had for Dolly Mix, like the, the sweatpants with the dollies printed all over, right? Yeah, and the, there was a hoodie. It wasn't actually a matching one; it was a different one, and then just a t-shirt. But it was the it was the jogging stuff. That's really cool. So you literally like made so you made like fifty, and I guess like. What kind of drove you to to go to influencers? Did you see like other people having growth with it? Like, I know it's I know it's a topic where people aren't really. There is a lot of debate whether like the return on investment is there with with influencers or like I guess I guess yeah. not. But with with this influencer, like I guess she she did it for free, so it was good. And whether like people will actually like listen like buy it or not, because I've done I've done episodes right where I have someone with a pretty big following and they share it and stuff and everything, but 
I that the, the listens that I got on the episode are pretty much the same with with every like, every other episode that I've done, which doesn't really compute in my mind. Like you think, I don't know, maybe it doesn't work for podcasts. Maybe it works better for clothing. It's more visual, but like that's yeah. So I was just wondering. Yeah, I, I think with influencers and clothing, um, I think people some people like being told what's cool. So I think putting stuff on influencers kind of validates that for people um and and because because clothes is just so, so subjective um there's no there's no right or wrong about what is sort of objectively good um so so i guess yeah because it's so subjective i think that's why putting on influencer would kind of have a greater effect perhaps i don't, I don't know but yeah that's what that's that's why yeah but it had like a pretty good effect on you. So, so you you create the the joggers and the the, the original hoodie. Sent it to this influencer. Yeah. She posted an Instagram post about it. What was sort of like next steps? Like, did you? What, what was the reception after that? I remember when she first posted, we were like, "Oh my word, yeah, this is sick." Um, I think I think it then started to email more people. Um, and I remember there was a, a couple of people who um, who emailed in off the off the back of that. Um, I, I remember there was another, there was another time where we sent this to a male influencer, um, and then I, then I got an, then I got a um, a shout out from from a guy a guy called um Danny Washington who's who's the drummer of Neck Deep, uh, and and as a drummer I I was like a huge fan of him. I was like, oh my word, like this is this is so sick, like it was it was quite surreal. Um, but yeah, it's just it, I say it was just a bit of a snowball effect. Uh, and it's and it's really surprising how there's actually so many people who be willing to accept clothes for free. You just kind of have to ask. Okay, so that, so would you say like that's been your most powerful sort of marketing tool to get? Hundred percent. Really? So so influence marketing, and you yeah. tried like pretty much. I mean, I I was telling you like your your other brand that we'll talk about in a sec. Like I I found that out f- like from. Uh, an Instagram ad, like just one of these Instagram ads that you get. But you, you'd say like influencer marketing is has been has been the most powerful for you. Hundred percent. I, I think it. Yeah, I think it's really, really effective. I think I think when you start to because so from Dolly Mix we haven't yet um, done a paid promotion from an influencer. So far, we've been lucky enough to for every influencer who has worn it to, to be willing to do it for free. So I I don't know because I know influencers do charge quite a lot of money. Um, when the money kind of gets involved, I don't know how, I, I don't know what the best sort of um, return of investment would be. But I, I, I'm sure, yeah, yeah, I'd say it's incredibly effective um, considering there, there's loads of people who, who can just do it free, especially on TikTok, which is something we're, we're trying to get into this year. Because um, on TikTok, um, there are so many users who get so many views and they're really new to it because, um, so they're not sort of used to being approached by brands. So I think that that's a, another platform which would be really, really good for new influencers. So yeah, I think a lot of, I think the misconception with influencer marketing is that it's really expensive. And I guess with influencers, a lot of people think they, they go towards a sort of 100K plus. And I guess like they charge like bigger money. But like for you, you're saying like, you go after, I guess the like micro influencers, like I, I think that's what they call like, like influencers with, with lower followings where they're willing to do it for free. Is that is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I say, I mean, it's obviously the smaller they're following, the more likely they're going to do it for free. But we've had, we've had, we've had actually um, 
the, the biggest influencer we've had was Kylie Jenner's best mate, um, Stassi Baby. She 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 had um, she had at the time I think three million followers, um, but she actually messaged us. So she she must have seen like off the back of a smaller influencer. Um, so I so I say like even sending to small influencers, you know, it, it, you can get you can get lucky from sort of getting the right exposure off the back of that. Whoa, that's mental. So yeah, that, that sounds really cool. So you just, you can just, as an as a influencer marketing tool, ha- like message all these, is there a number? Like, or would you just message as many people as possible and, and see what the reception is like? I think choose the right people because if, if it's not the right people, then they know it's just spam. Uh, and I think it's also quite important, especially if it's a bigger one, to um, make the message sort of personalized to them you know say like i think this brand i think we'd go well with your style because of the thing you did with this etc um especially as especially as more brands are trying to get on the sort of influencer sort of wave um yeah for, i mean for example i've been um messaged before by like a women's wear brand saying like yeah and it was obviously just like a copy and paste saying like do you want some of this so like i guess that's a tip where <clears throat> if you reach out to these I guess with anyone, like if you're reaching out for them to do something for you, make it as personable as possible. Like don't make it as Definitely. generic because I mean, I do that with my, I guess if I reach out for guests, I don't, like you make it, you don't make it like a generic sort of, do you want to come on the podcast? You make it sort of, oh, I saw that you did this. I really enjoyed it. Would you like, would you like to come on or I guess something along those lines? I think it can also be quite sort of touching to the, to the influencer. You know, it's, it shows that people are probably sort of, uh, looking at what they do and appreciating what they do um, so I can imagine that sort of plays a role in it as well I love Rohan's story of, of influencer marketing and how he's leveraged it so effectively to sell his products and also to get his brand out there. But I really wanted to talk to him further and drill deeper into which one he feels like it's been the most powerful for either brand awareness or sales. I'd say both brand awareness and sales. So generally what has happened is that we would have some joggers or whatever, um, and then eventually they'd sell out. Um, but I'd keep a few back to send to influencers. So it, it generally line up that I'd be sending to influencers whilst it's out of stock. So um, people would see the influencers wearing them and then go to the website and see they're out of stock. Um, so then they'll follow the brand so they know Oh wow! When they're back in stock, um, and then it kind of all because of the fact that they're out of stock, obviously builds the hype as well. Um, so I, I think, I, yeah, I think that definitely that obviously drives the sales. Um, but that, but sort of the sellout culture was was something I had in mind from the get go. Uh, I used to be really into Supreme and, and hype kind of stuff, um, and it used to be so interesting to see um, how crazy people go for clothes. Sorry, how crazy people go about clothes um, that are out of stock. Well, like, let me, I want to focus on that for a bit because the sell the sellout sort of, I guess, uh, like tool is something that I feel like you have to get perfectly correct. If you don't, then I guess people might get frustrated and, and not, like, not follow your brand. I, I mean, that's, that's like a counter argument. I think you have to get the sort of, like, you have to get that perfectly in tune with with um, the sort of audience that you're going after, where that sort of behavior would would resonate with them. That they would, you know, they'll be like, "Oh, I'll follow you," and like, 
it would be a long ter- long term relationship. Does that make sense? And it's not as impulsive. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. Um quite funny to say that. Yeah, we've we've had some people so like if we've done a if we've done a release, like a restock of the job is and it's been relatively small. I know we did one at the very beginning of twenty twenty. Um and we kind of underestimated how many people wanted them. Uh they sold out quite quickly. Um and then people some people were like fuming, some some people were like, Oh, I'm I'll never and then sort of dropping here again, but then, but then, but then you kind of find that that they do that they will be there for the next drop. It's kind of like it's frustration, um, and I had that and loads with, for example, like Supreme with Sell Out. You'd be like, oh, I hate this brand. This this is rubbish. And then you'll be then you'll be there next Thursday. Uh, 11, 11 a.m. <laughs> That's really strange though, because I think a lot of people listening, I. I know these brands quite a lot from my brother. My brother's really into like Supreme and Palace and that stuff. But as for like people, I guess, who it's new to them, this this concept, I think this sort of like sellout, I guess, culture, you called it, um, it, it might not sort of compute in their minds because it's like you're, you're, you're losing sales. Like you are, <laughs> you're losing sales. But I guess your <laughs> argument is um, in the long term, like the value of that customer will actually be multiplied. The audience, so the original audience I was going for was a supreme type audience. Um, but I think it's due to the influencers who I got it to in the first place, um, shaped the audience. And I'm kind of left with a um, sort of, uh, I'd say the audience is like mainly, mainly women um, and sort of maybe like a fast fashion type, type audience. Um, and I don't think many of them were sort of, as you said, used to things selling out and, and, and that sort of, so I think one reason why it worked well is because I, I, to an extent we sort of bought that, 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 that sellout culture from a different, a different market into this market. So what, what was the, what was the other part of the question? Sorry. Just like, I guess a lot of people would think like, oh, you're losing sales, like, but in actual fact, your argument is like, oh, if if you if you don't make the sale this time, like if you tell them it's it's sold out, in actual fact, like they'll follow you for a longer period of time, or they'll maybe buy like two or three different things from you, yeah. not just one, off an impulse. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's something we want to keep going with the with with the sweatpants, I, and we we've kind of put some thought to it because obviously we could make an absolutely massive um, order at one of them. Um, and just sort of let them sell to everyone who wants them. But I think it's nice because it, it, as you said, it keeps people's attention. Um, and and it's been it's been really interesting because I thought, um, okay, well, it's just these jobbies that people want. Um, but when we did the release at the beginning of 2020, there was it was basically one pair of one style jobbies, just the grey ones, and um, um, other hoodies, which I didn't think would would do that well. Uh, so, but then people went onto the website. The the joggers sold out. Uh, and then people, then people, I guess people were like, "Oh my god, that that sold out. What should I get next?" And then slowly, everything else just sold out of sort of from that momentum, which is really interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting. Do you think like that sort of thing would happen if, I guess you know, you were always in stock, or like if you like nothing was out of stock? Like, do you think that would have happened? That reaction? I think maybe to a diff- to a different extent. To be fair, with with that with that release, there wasn't that many pieces, so it's it's quite hard to tell. Um, because I mean, one thing we did slightly different is because that was at the beginning of lockdown, so I had a lot of time to to put, you know do a lot of posts about that, make sure everyone was informed about it. 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's quite difficult to tell. Well, I think I think it's like I, I think it's something that I don't think brands can leverage as 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 easily as you because you you I think you've executed that sort of sellout culture perfectly. But I think I don't know if if other people can replicate that as easily. Like I'm just thinking if if people could do that. Like, if if people wanted to sort of take inspiration from you and I guess I guess you took inspiration from Supreme in, in that respect how would you I guess recommend that they that they you know implement that sort of strategy within their business I, I'm, I'm not sure how well it would work if you because obviously you could completely sort of fake it for example if you you know you put a t-shirt on the website and then just sort of took all the stock off the website to make it sold out um, I don't know. I don't know how effective it would be. Maybe it would be quite effective. Um, I, I think it's the combination of that and the influencers because it's kind of showing once it's sold out, it's not only sh- showing that it's sold out because consumers want it, but it's all it's also showing it's sold out because influencers want it. Um, the people they look up. I think when when an influence, I think this the timing and the stages that you that you did it was in my mind that that's what did it for you. Where you know you give it to an influencer like after everything's like sold out anyway, so then people will go from the influencer, you know, and this is this is their introduction to your to your brand. They've probably never come across it before, where they're going from the influencer to you, and they're like, oh oh fuck, like it's literally all sold out. And in their mind, it's because oh, this influencers put it out there. It must this brand is really hot right now, and it kind of resonates with something that you, that you said earlier, um, saying like oh, people want to be told what is hot right now. And that's a, that's a, yeah, that's another thing with um, which reminds me of uh, Facebook ads, which is something I tried at the beginning with Facebook ads. Um, Facebook ads being you know when you get an advert on your on your Instagram feed or your or your Facebook feed, you're you're being You've got the brand being put in front of you by the brand owner, so and that, and that's why they didn't work as well um, because you know obviously a salesman if he comes up to you say this is really good you're like yeah of course you say that good that's good because you know, you're trying to profit from it but when you've got someone else telling them that the brand is good for example an influencer or a friend um, it it makes people warm to the brand much easier. I didn't think we'd talk about influence marketing and sellout culture like as much as we did, but I think it's really interesting. It's something we've yeah. never we've never covered on the podcast before and it's very unique to, to, to this business that I feel like I feel like other people listening, especially ones that want to go into clothing, could definitely like take a lot of inspiration from. So uh, I think we'll conclude like that bit for now. But I really want to focus on like off license clobber for a bit, because I think that's that's such a cool idea. So so obviously you got like success, you got you got a lot of like growth and sales from from Dolly Mix, but I guess use from your experience within within that clothing business to start something new. Yeah, so with off license, it, it definitely follows a different business model. Um, it's, there's no influencers. Um, it's it's actually more of a well, one it's a kind of a bit of a creative slash fun project. So doing the designs. Um, so the designs are quite like sort of ironic. Again, for example, we've got the Stella Artois logo and replacing that with Sheffield Artois. Um, and then just lo- lots of similar things but with different city names. Um, so that was quite fun to design. But the the um, the money side of it, I'm going for a more of a, for a passive income business. Um, so the T-shirts for one are made to order and fulfilled by a third party. So I don't, for example 
put in a massive order of like 500 and then ship them out myself. When I get an order from Shopify, they they um fulfilled by a third party. Um, yeah, it was it, and I got the inspiration for it whilst um I was in a I was in a club actually at the beginning of um 2020, and I saw a guy wearing a, a t-shirt, a DJ. Um, it's the Patagonia logo, um, but instead of saying Patagonia, it said Nottingham, and I was like, okay, that's sick. I need to get on them. So I looked everywhere online and literally could not find it. Um, so then that kind of made me think, oh, like sort of gap in the market there. I know there's plenty of people who'd want that. Um, and then that kind of led me to think about, okay, well, there's also other cities which we could do other kind of funny designs with. Um, so yeah, then I, I started just throwing together some designs um, in my bedroom, like with my mates. We thought it was really funny. Um, and then I, yeah, then I didn't actually get around to launching it until sort of the end of 2020 but um yeah that's 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 sort of how that started i think it's so funny like for people who haven't checked this out it's like a retro i guess british brands i don't think this will sell anywhere else like across the world i think this is this is so unique to to the uk it won't i don't really see this resonating with anywhere else like i don't know if you've got any sales from any other country but that's fine though it's it's, it's built for this sort of market but so it's like retro sort of um, British brands such as like name name some there's like extra gum. Uh, there was was there Rizzler you said as well. Yeah, I, I just um yeah. So for example, would be like Exeter on the extra gum pack, Cardiff on the Carhartt logo, uh, Durham on the Dickies logo, Manchester on Microsoft, Sussex on Stussy, Leeds logo. Yeah, Sw- yes, Swansea on Swan Films. Yeah, it looks really funny. But I mean, I guess I guess for people, I mean, I had a very similar idea, but I obviously didn't didn't go for it. I didn't, it was just an idea that I didn't write down or whatever. But I mean, for a lot of people thinking about that, those sort of ideas, like did, I guess, legally standing, is, is, that, is that like okay? Because <laughs> you're literally like ripping their logo and like font. I think it's fine. Because it's for like comedic purposes, I think it's okay. Yeah. So yeah, I get that, asked that one quite a lot. Um, so I had to do a bit of research on that whilst filming the promo video for a Dolly Mix collection, where we basically took literally um, a part of like a Disney film which had the ugly ducking in it, um, and I looked up. And so yeah, you can basically legally do parodies of sort of protected stuff. Um, so I mean, it's, these all seem like parodies to me. Um, so I, I think it, I think it should be fine. Touch wood. Yeah, no, I've seen I've seen that law. Like I, I feel like loads of people and comedians and YouTubers and stuff have pushed that. So I, I don't think I mean I don't think you'll be in trouble if like big YouTubers have done it and and they've got away with it. It's like it's pretty fine. So yeah, I think I think that's really cool. Where's your sort of vision? I guess like wrapping up. Now, where's your sort of vision going for, for Dolly Mix and Off License Clobber? Like, where do you see those two brands um, in the future? I just want to sort of keep that quite fun, just churn out some more some more designs um, and just have them sort of going through Facebook ads, really, um, as far as I'm aware, anyway. But for Dolly Mix, um, this year, I'm really trying to make it into a sort of a more professional business. Um, I've been doing a lot of um, outsourcing roles in the company um, which is what uh, Ben Francis from Gymshark suggested 
um, what you need to do if you really want to take your brand to the next level by sort of outsourcing things where the, the person is better than you at their given sort of role. Um, but in, in, yeah, so yeah, I mean, it would just be through like we want to also do some more collections. We've, we've been putting together plans um, in January for all the collections throughout the year as opposed to being quite reactive like we've been in the past by just kind of like, oh, let's like, we make a collection then. Um, it's just, I'm, I'm sort of trying to be way more sort of rigorous this year um, and then hopefully maybe in subsequent years we could maybe even look into like getting stocked in, say, Urban Outfitters or, or I, I, I do need to really kind of sit down and think where we really want to be in five years but that's, that's what we're doing this year anyway. Well, Rohan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been like a really great experience. And it was also like for me, the first one I've recorded in 2021. And also for you, the first podcast you've actually ever done. So how was, how was your experience? Yeah, man, I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me on, Steve. I really enjoyed it. How could people, how could people follow you and, and your brands like going forward into the future? Well, my, my personal Instagram is at Silly Rohan um, and then at Dolly McStudios. Um, Alright, sweet. Thank you so much, Rohan, and I'll see you soon. Cheers, Zina. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Millennial Entrepreneur. And also thank you so much for staying to the very end of the episode. I really, really do appreciate it. If you'd like this episode, please be sure to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. And as a way of saying thank you, I will give you a shout out at the beginning of the next episode. So be sure to do that. And also follow us on Instagram. That's where all the new episodes get announced, along with all the audio previews, all of that good stuff. And you definitely don't want to miss any new episodes coming up. Especially the next one, we've got a really cool, uh, if you're into clothing, the next one, the next episode is definitely for you. It's a, it's a clothing brand who's utilized TikTok to get loads of sales. So I highly recommend that you follow us on Instagram so you know when that one's coming out. So yeah, once again, thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in the next episode.